Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And I'll read uh, from verse 5 through 15. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 15. And it reads, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many ways. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father Forgive your trespasses. In this generation, many people live as if everything is a big coincidence. They may not say it, but they do not really see all things descending from the sovereign God. There are a lot of wishful thoughts, and when they talk about hope, it is a hope that is just wishful hope, or it is a non-directional hope. In the next few days, you'll be hearing a lot of people talking about their New Year's resolutions. On social media, there will be a lot of posts about things that people want to change in their lives. Although some of them do not really mention God, they will pretend at that moment as if God is on their minds. But we know that a lot of people do not even take their petitions to God. As they think about all these resolutions, God is not part of their mind. They don't think about God. They just wish these things will come to pass without even thinking about God. But we know that we Christians understand that God is the one who governs the whole universe. We know that God is sovereign. We know that God is in charge. We know that God is in control. And for that reason, we always go to him in prayer. But sometimes the problem is that even we don't know how to pray. We love to pray to God, but we don't know how to approach Him. We don't know what is the right way to pray. After teaching His disciples a couple of things in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus decided to also teach them how to pray. In other words, in the Scripture, we are not just commanded to pray, but we are also told how to pray. Jesus has given us a pattern that we ought to follow as we pray. This morning, we are only going to look at verse 9a. There are three things I would like us to see as we look at that verse. One, 
God is the object of our prayer. Two, God is the father of the redeemed. And three, God is transcendent. Let us look at our first point. God is the object of our prayer. As Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he starts by saying, Our Father. God is the sole object of our prayer. A prayer is when we communicate with God and when we communicate with him alone. There are a lot of things that grab our attention. There are a lot of things that command our focus. However, in prayer, nothing should come before us and God. When we pray, our tongue should speak to God and our heart should cling to God. We are, not, we are not those who believe things would just fall into place. We are not those who look to coincidence, but we are those who go to God in prayer. There are many people who go to God with their mouth, but their hearts are far from God. God is not really the object of their prayer. Verse 5 of Matthew 6 says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. This was a problem with the Pharisees. Though they were known as people of prayer, they were probably regarded as prayer warriors. But their prayers were in vain. The good thing is that they knew that prayer was important. But it is bad to understand that they didn't focus on God even as they were praying. The Jews had a time of prayer, and the Pharisees used that to their advantage. They went into the streets and made sure that when the time of prayer came, they were still in the street. As time of prayer came, they prayed in the street wherever they were. They did that so that people would see how committed and devoted they were. Words were directed to God, but hearts were yearning for their own glory. Self-glory became the object of their prayer. Instead of begging God to hear their prayer, they wanted people to rage their prayer. Instead of bringing praise to God through prayer, they claimed praise for themselves. To them, prayer was not a means of grace, but it was a tool of pride. They replaced, Lord, we look to you by people, just look at us. Jesus told his disciples to reject this selfishness. This is not how we ought to pray. Prayer is not about us, but God. Prayer is not directed to us, or it is not for people to see us, but it should always be directed to God. Even as we pray, our heart should be looking to God. We should be focusing on God as we pray. Prayer is not finding fancy ways that will amaze all those who are listening to us, but it is pouring ourselves to God. And that happens even when we don't even have enough words because our focus is God. Prayer is not an opportunity to show how mature we are. Prayer is not an opportunity to display even our knowledge. Whenever public or private prayer is made, it should be directed to God and to Him alone. Because God alone is the object of our prayer. When praying in front of others, there is always a temptation of pleasing those who are with us. We are afraid of disappointing them in prayer. Or we are afraid of such things that are called bad prayers. But truth is, prayers should be directed to God. Our hearts should be poured out to God as we pray. We should not be focusing on how people see us as we pray. We should be focusing on glorifying God. Or we should be focusing on 
bringing our petitions to God as we pray. Jesus says, those who are looking to please others as they pray are hypocrites. Though they pretend to be pious, they are actually irreligious. Brothers and sisters, this should be a warning to us. As we open our mouth in prayer, God should be the only one who fills our heart. God should be the only one that we are focusing on. Jesus here shows us that in prayer we communicate with God and with him alone. We communicate with God alone in prayer. In prayer we are not even fighting with the devil or the demons. In an age where many have identified themselves as prayer warriors, it is not really surprising that they think of prayer as a war zone. In their prayer they communicate with both God and the devil. One minute they say, our father, the next minute they shout, fire. One minute they praise God, the next minute they bind the devil. That is not how we ought to pray. That is not how we ought to pray. Prayer is communication with God, our father, not with anyone else. We do not bind and rebuke the devil in prayer. We are not praying to the devil, but to God who is the object of our prayer. When James spoke about the devil, he said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4 verse 7. The devil will not flee because you shout fire in prayer. The devil is not an object of our prayer. Binding him and loosening him have no real impact in him. In Ephesians 4 verse 27, Paul said, give no opportunity to the devil. He did not say when you pray, tell him to go away. Again, in Luke 22, Jesus talking to Peter said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he, may see, he might sift you like wheat. What did he say after that? Oh, but don't worry. I already bind him in prayer. No, that is not what he said. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. It is like Jesus is saying, I have communicated with God, asking him to strengthen your faith, Peter. I have communicated with my father. Perhaps if there was a time when Jesus needed to teach his disciples to bind the devil in prayer, this was it. If there was ever a time for Jesus to show his disciples that in prayer we rebuke the devil, this was it. On the contrary, Jesus prayed to God. The devil may roar like a lion, but our prayer is to our God. Satan may demand to have us that he might sift us like wheat, but we don't need to talk to him. Like a psalmist, we can always say, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and the earth. In prayer, therefore, we seek God. In prayer, we cry to God. In prayer, we talk to God. In prayer, we exalt God. And in prayer, we worship God. If it is not directed to God, whatever you may call it, it is not prayer. Prayer is to God alone. And we know that the scripture shows us that it is God who answers prayer. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 34 verse 4. It is God who listens to our prayers. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. 2 Chronicles seven fifteen. It is God who calls us to pray. Call to me and I will answer you. Jeremiah 33 verse 3. It is God who accepts our prayers. The prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. Proverbs 15, 8. 
As one man put it, God is more ready to answer than we are to pray. Rascals said, when asked what is more important, praying or reading the Bible, I asked what is more important, breathing in or breathing out. Through his word, God speaks to us. But through prayer, we speak to him. Isn't it amazing that we can speak to the creator of the universe? Isn't it amazing that the maker of all things delights in listening to us as we come to him in prayer? Beloved, Yahweh is the object of our prayer. Him alone. Talk to him in prayer. And talking to him in prayer should always be a priority to us. It is a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. No one and nothing should stand between us and God when we pray. Our focus should always be on him and him alone. That is what Jesus is showing us here. If the great God who created the universe hears our prayers, it doesn't matter who else is listening to us as we pray. Instead of pleasing people, let us be pleading to our great God. Now, that leads us to our second point. God is the father of the redeemed. God is the father of the redeemed. Let's look at our text. Pray then like this. Our father, verse 9a. Pray then like this. Our father. In reality, no one deserves to come closer to God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you that he does not hear. Sin is so bad that it separates man from God. Sin puts a barrier between man and God so that everything that man does cannot really please God. Habakkuk said, God's eyes are too pure to look upon evil. He cannot stand the sight of evil. How then can we present ourselves before this great God? When we look at the Old Testament, we see that because of sin, God despises even religious gathering. He does not accept sacrifices that are made to him. And listen to this. He does not even listen to songs that are sung to him. In Moses 5, in Amos 5, 21-23, God said, I hate, I despise your feast." And I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. God has no relationship at all with a man who is in sin. Those who reject his word have no right to claim any relationship with him. According to him, they don't even have a right to recite his words. But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? Psalm 50 verse 16. God does not recognize any gathering, teaching, and singing that comes from the unredeemed. He does not recognize any gathering, singing, or teaching that comes from those who does not belong to Christ. If you think that is all, then look at what he says about their prayer. Proverbs 28 verse 9. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Even his prayer is an abomination. Now here's the problem. We all have turned away from ear or our ear from hearing the law. 
We all have abandoned and disobeyed God's law. Because of sin, man has broken relationship with God. From birth, humans are children, children of wrath. And because of this, man has no right to come to God in prayer. As we have seen, it is an abomination to God for man who has rejected him to come to him in prayer. But Jesus here tells his disciples not only to come to God in prayer, but to call him their father. We can now come to him and call him our father. Why? Because of Jesus. Jesus is the one who has opened the door for us so that we can be able to come to God and not only to come to him, but to call him our father. Thomas Watson said, Christ has the primogeniture. He is the eldest son, a son by eternal generation. Christ is a son to the father as he is of the same nature with the father. Having all the incommunicable properties of the Godhead belonging to him. Now, this tells us that Jesus is a son in a special and a glorious way. By nature, he is the only one who has a right to refer to God as father. Jesus has never disappointed his father. Talking about God's relationship with humankind, Genesis 6, verse 5 and 6 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. This is how Adam's sin grieves God. And this is how man in Adam grieves God. The intentions of man's heart are evil. And the scripture says that is from youth. It doesn't just happen when you grow up. No, from youth. The intentions of man's heart are always evil. There is no one who does good. Therefore, God is not pleased with man at all. However, when he refers to Jesus, his only begotten son, God said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. God has always been pleased with Jesus, his beloved son. God has always loved his perfect son who is the exact imprint of his nature. The father, the son and the Holy Spirit shared perfect love among themselves even before the foundation of the earth. Because of his perfect nature, Jesus had a right to say, my father and end it there. Jesus is perfect, by the way. He's the only one who had the right to say, this is my father, and just end it right there. However, here we see him inviting sinners who have rebelled against God, telling them to say, our father. The perfect son is willing to share his father with the rebels. How is that possible? How can those whose prayers are an abomination to God, those who are not even supposed to call the name of God, how then can they call him father? Truth is, whenever we call the name of God, because of our sinful nature, we are in danger of taking his name in vain. Our hearts are not pure. Jews were so afraid of taking the name of God in vain that they decided not to say Yahweh with their mouths, not even to write it. In, instead of saying Yahweh, they replaced the name Yahweh with Adonai. They avoided the personal name of God, Yahweh, because they were afraid that they will take it in vain. But then we see something here. Jesus says he is not just Yahweh, but he is your father. The big question is why? 
why we can now come to God as our Father. Why we can now call God our Father when we know that because of our sin from the beginning, our prayers were an abomination to Him. We had no right to come before Him because of our sin. But now Jesus invites us to say, come, call Him your Father. Why? Paul gives us an answer. Titus 2, 14 says, He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. In him we have been redeemed. Jesus has purified us. We who were unclean have been declared clean. We who were once far off, we have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. We who were once God's enemies have been adopted to his family because of Jesus Christ. For our sake he made him to be seen who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ's righteousness was imputed on us. Therefore God no longer sees us as his enemies. When he sees us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And because of that, our prayer is no longer an abomination to him. Now our prayers are like a sweet aroma to God and he delights in them. And because of our union with Christ, we can now call God our Father. That is because of Christ. The only reason we can come to God and say our Father, it is because Christ died for our sins. Earlier we spoke about the amazing way the Father loves his Son. You know what? There is one thing that is even more amazing. In John 17, verse 23, in his high priestly prayer, Jesus spoke about the Father loving the redeemed as he loves him. Brothers and sisters, God is our Father and he loves us just the way he loved Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are now accepted in his family. Because of Jesus, we are now sons and daughters of God. And for that reason, we can come to him and say, Our Father, because God is the Father of those who have been redeemed. Now we can come to him. God is our Father. And whenever we come to him in prayer, we must understand that we are coming to our Father who loves us. We are not coming to a distant king who is too busy for us. We are not coming to a ruler who is sitting with a list of our misdeeds. We are coming to the Father whose arms are wide open. Whenever we think about the kind of a father we have, we should be encouraged and we should always be looking forward to spending time with him in prayer. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus encourages his disciples to pray. He said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. To show how much God cares in verse 11, he says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Here, Jesus shows imperfection of earthly fathers or earthly parents. Because of sin, we are evil, obviously. It is actually impossible for us to be perfect parents because we are not perfect. We have sinned against God. Yet, with all our imperfections, we do give good gifts to our children. That is the point that Jesus is making, that we evil parents are able to care for our children, how much more our perfect father. God is a loving father who gives good things to his children. But 
There's one thing that Jesus is emphasizing here. And that is prayer. The Father is loving. Pray to Him. The Father is generous. Pray to Him. The Father is listening. Pray to Him. The Father has time for you. Pray to Him. Jesus uses three ways to call us to prayer. He says, ask. If you do not hear the word ask, then listen to the next word. Seek. As if ask and seek are not enough. Jesus comes with the third word. He says, knock. All these words are calling us to prayer. Ask, seek, knock. All of them are saying pray, pray, pray. Because Jesus, or rather God, is our Father because of Jesus. I want you to see this amazing love. This is God in his word telling us that he has good things, things that are in harmony with his glorious will, and he gives them to his people, but he calls them to pray. James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. What needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer, as this hymn says. Beloved, we don't have to try and figure things out for ourselves. We can always talk to our Father. God is the Father who loves us more than we love ourselves. God is the Father who cares for us more than we care for ourselves. Most of the things we want for ourselves are temporal. But God considers our eternal good. Are you redeemed? Then you have a father who loves you more than your earthly father. If you have had a great earthly father, rejoice that you have seen a good example. But understand that God is by far greater than your earthly father. If you have not had a good earthly father, do not lose heart. Your heavenly father is greater than any earthly father you could have had. Do not uh, be led by bad experience or do not let bad experience with an earthly father rob you of a great father we have in God. Perhaps your earthly father was not available as he was supposed to be in your life. Maybe he was not as involved as you you would have loved him to be in your life. Or maybe he did not do anything for you. Today, I want you to know that God is the better father you can dream of. David in Psalm 68.5 said, Father of the fatherless and protector of the widows is God in his holy habitation. When we approach God in prayer, let us always remember that he is a father who delights in in hearing the prayers of his people. God is calling you to pray. God is waiting for you to pray. God is delighting answering prayers. If only we could pray. God is the Father of the redeemed. Now that we have seen that God is the object of our prayer and that God is the Father of the redeemed, we move to our last point, which is God is transcendent. Let's look at our text. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Even though God is our Father who is not distant, Jesus makes it clear from the start that God is also transcendent. He is above all and independent from all. His throne is in heaven. His dominion is not only limited to earthly affairs, but he is in charge of everything. No matter how good earthly fathers can be, but they are powerless just like everyone else. They can only hope like us. 
They can only wish like us. But truth is, earthly fathers are never in control. They try their best, but their best is not always enough. Sometimes they fail. Sometimes they make bad decisions. Sometimes they even make sinful decisions. However, it is not so with God. God is perfect and fully in control. He never fails to deliver. In Jeremiah 32, 27, he said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? When we approach God in prayer, it is important to understand that nothing is too hard for him. Even when some of our prayers are unanswered, it is not because God is not able to answer them. When we pray to God, we are not just hoping he will have enough power to accomplish whatever we ask. We pray to him because we already know that he is all-powerful. We are praying to a God who is always powerful. Psalm 95 verse 4 says, In his hand are the depths of the earth. The height of the mountain are his also. Beloved, we have every reason to be confident when we go to God in prayer. That is because we know God is above all. In the book of Psalms, we see a lot of what is called lament psalms. These are the the psalms where people were bringing their complaint to God. As they brought their complaint, they were frustrated and helpless. For some, things were getting worse. They tried everything to make their situation better, but there was no success. However, in this lament psalm, there is always one thing that the writers are sure of, and that is God is in charge and still on his throne. They knew that their physical human experience was not a reflection of who God is. For that reason, they trusted him even when their situation was not looking good. To know that God is our Father in heaven should give us hope and should be a reminder that the Almighty has not ceased to be mighty. He is still on his throne where he reigns with power. In the second psalm, we see the reign of God and his anointed being challenged. Psalm 2 verse 2 says, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. In the immediate context, context of this psalm, the reign of David king was challenged. The reign of David, who was the king at that time, was challenged. Actually, the nation had never stopped challenging God's reign because uh, when you look at the ultimate fulfillment of that psalm, it was when the reign of Jesus Christ himself was challenged. So people have always been challenging God's reign. People have always been against the rule of God. In the psalm, we see that they're against his rule. They're against his command. But does does that scare God? Does that affect him in any way? Does God fear that he might lose power because the kings of the earth and their subjects are against him? Is that our God who fears when people rebel against him? The answer is in verse 4 of the psalm. Psalm 2 verse 4 gives us the answer. He who sits in the heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. In other words, God is not worried about their rebellion. The one who sits in heaven is in charge no matter how much people rebel. He is more powerful than his enemies. And the one who sits in heaven, brothers and sisters, is our father. This is our father. What worries us does not worry him. 
What brings terror to us does not bring terror to him. Our God will never lose his power. Therefore, as we go to him, we go to him knowing that we have a God who governs the whole universe. We have a God who is sovereign. We have a God who is in charge. Therefore, as we go to him in prayer, we are not afraid of anything. We are not afraid of anything. And as we ponder on that, we must understand that God is not just powerful, but he is also perfect. He is not just on the throne because of his, of his power, but he actually deserves to be there. No one can rule better than God. As we come to him in prayer, we should remember that we are approaching a perfect God. It is for that reason that we might we may always remember that it is because of Christ that we can come to him. Because on our own, we cannot come to him. Because we are sinful. But God is perfect. So whenever we approach God, we must understand that we have not in some way gained an access to him because of our own works. But it's always because of Christ. So even when we come to prayer... Maybe we might be tempted to think, oh, when we are saved, we are saved because of Christ. But when we come to prayer, then we come ourselves. No, even in prayer, we must always understand that our prayers are answered because of Christ. In fact, God can only listen to our prayer because of Jesus Christ. Without Christ, God cannot listen to our prayer. Now, we must also understand that since God is transcendent, his wisdom is unmatched. Sometimes we pray according to our own feelings and according to what we think is right. But God answers according to his wisdom. In Isaiah 55, after God called the wicked to repentance, in verse 8 he said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When we pray, we ought to remember this as well. Even as Christians, we, we, we are not always thinking about God's ways. Unanswered prayers attest to that. And most of the time, unanswered prayers are the best answers that God gives to us. When we pray, therefore, we must be willing to accept any outcome, knowing that the only wise God knows what is right. The only wise God knows what is right. A prayer of faith understands that God will answer according to his wisdom, not according to our demands. Because God is the only one who is wise. He is the only wise God. He is wiser than man. Most of the time we think prayer of faith means believing what we pray will definitely happen. Which means we are not willing to accept anything other than what we prayed for. However, in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul shows us what a prayer of faith looks like. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. What was Paul's prayer? That a thorn may be removed from him. He trusted that God will remove it as he prayed. That is what Paul wanted and nothing else. For that reason, when God did not remove it, Paul prayed again. Not once, not twice, but three times did Paul pray to God for this. 
So what happened after this? Did God say to Paul, because of his faith, let, did he, he just say, okay, because of your faith, let me listen to you and remove that thorn? Is that what God said? No, that is not what God said. Paul tells us what happened after that. Let us listen to Paul himself explaining. Verse 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And because of that answer, Paul said, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here we see a man who believed that God will answer his prayers according to the way he prayed. But when God's answer was different, Paul accepted that answer with joy, knowing that God is wise. Paul understood that his ways are not God's ways and his thoughts are not God's thoughts. Likewise, we should always accept that our ways are not God's ways. When we come to prayer, we must come expecting that God in his wisdom will give a right answer. We come to him knowing that nothing is too hard for him, trusting that he will answer according to our prayers, but understanding that he is wise and he might answer different. It is significant to understand that the immanent father is also a transcendent God. When we come to God in prayer, there are two things or there are two extremes that we must avoid. One, the extreme of thinking that God is a father who is far. Some people picture God using failures of their earthly fathers. Some come to him picturing God as a father who works sometimes in a different province. A father who comes home maybe once a year. And when he comes, everyone is afraid because he will come with a lot of rules. A father who talked to them once and doesn't even want to listen to them and does not even know what is happening in their lives. That is not our God. Our Father in heaven knows every single detail. That is not only because he is all-knowing, but also because he cares. Therefore, he knows what is happening in our lives. He sees what is happening in our lives and he calls us to pray to him, to tell him what is happening in our lives because he cares. So the facts extreme that we must avoid is to think that God is far, that even if I don't pray, everything will be the same. No, God calls us to pray. He calls us to communicate with him. Our father is involved and he calls us to pray. The second extreme that we must avoid is coming to him as if he's Santa Claus, a Lord's Father who just lavish gifts on you, a Father who rewards evil and always laughs even if you pull his nose. That is not our God. God is a faithful Father, an honorable God, a just judge, and a perfect lawgiver. And this God is the one who invites us or who calls us to say, come to me and pray. These brothers and sisters is our God. We ought to understand who God is even as we come to him in prayer. It is very important to understand our God as we come to prayer. Therefore, when we pray, let us always remember that God is the only object of our prayer. When we pray, we are praying to him and him alone. Two, we ought to always remember that God is the father of the redeemed. 
because of Christ, we can now call him our father. We are coming to him now as to our father. And that is our perfect father. Not like any father that you have met on earth. Lastly, we must always that remember that God is transcendent. Even though he is our father, but he is above all. Therefore, we must not come to, we must not mock God. We must remember that he is not like our fathers that we sometimes mock. God is transcendent and he demands respect from man. Pray then like this, our father in heaven. Great God, you alone are our father. You alone are the object of our prayers. Help us, Lord, that whenever we come to you, O Lord, our hearts may also cling to you. Help us that we may not only pray to you with our mouths, but that, Lord, we may come to you with our hearts. It is a joy, Lord, also to know that you are a great Father. You are a sovereign God. You are the one who governs the whole universe. Therefore, Lord, even when we come to you, help us, Lord, to remember that. Help us to remember, oh God, that we are not just throwing statements when we come to you, but we pray to a Father who is really powerful. Help us, therefore, Lord, that we may trust you more. Help us that this year, O oh Lord, we may bring our plans to you. Help us, O oh God, that whatever plans we have, we may commit them to you because you are the one, O oh Lord, who is in charge because you are the one, Lord, who is sovereign. And help us, Lord, also to submit to you because, Lord, you are the one who knows better. Therefore, Lord, even when our prayers are not answered according to the way we want, help us, O oh Lord, to delight in the fact that the all-knowing God, the all-wise God, knows what is right for us. Be glorified in our lives, O oh Lord. And help us, O oh Lord, that we may pray more. Because, Lord, you are always waiting for us to pray. Because you are a God who delights in answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.